Sales Tuners, Episode 104, Paul Cherry, President of Performance-Based Results. Salespeople start hammering customers with all these who, what, where, when, and why questions that every salesperson is asking that we start to put people either to sleep or interrogate or bore them. This is Sales Tuners with Jim Brown, the only weekly show where we talk about the attitude, action, and ability that gets sales reps and entrepreneurs to grow their revenue from $1 million to more than $10 million in just two years. It's time. It's time. It's Sales Tuner's time. I'm Jim Brown, your host, and our weekly inspiration comes from Kristen Armstrong, who said, when everything is moving and shifting, the only way to counteract chaos is stillness. When things feel extraordinary, strive for ordinary. When the surface is wavy, dive deeper for quieter waters. Today, I'm joined by Paul Cherry, president of the sales training firm Performance-Based Results. Paul is a recognized thought leader on how to ask the right questions, get the real issues, and take action. Having worked with more than 1,200 organizations looking to dominate their niche markets, I'm really excited to connect with Paul and talk about his just-released book, The Ultimate Sales Pro, What the Best Salespeople Do Differently. One of the things that really stood out to me was the stat that Paul shared, 87% of questions salespeople ask are rooted in the present. I would have never imagined that and truly wonder who in the world is teaching sales reps these days. Living in the present from a sales perspective does not give you a chance to discover the real opportunity by building an emotional case. All right, make sure you stick around until the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways. You can check out all the links and show notes at salestuners.com slash 104. But now let's get to the conversation where Paul talks about how no matter what role we play, we are all selling all day, every day. I have to live and breathe selling every day. So I face the obstacles and the struggles. And um, it's what inspires me because it's we're all selling. Everyone's selling. We're selling our internal customers, our external customers, our bosses, our colleagues, and even at a personal level. It takes the, the personal things to keep us you know, lit up, if you will. And I know uh, you're a scuba diver, and so is your family. Talk to me about that. Like, What's your favorite diving location or, or memory of being underwater that you have? <laughs> it's, pro- it's probably Cozumel 20 years ago when we first started in diving and it's my wife who inspired me to get involved in it so but uh, now we're going to Punta Cana next week uh, to do diving so you know it's it's a fun fun sport but when it comes to you know being at the top of your game when you're 80 feet down the water you better make sure that you are prepped you are planned you are prepared and honed because you can't afford mistakes It's so true. And I was sitting here shaking my head. Yes. So here's what's funny is I actually got certified in Punta Cana uh, about about four years ago. So I dove a couple of the walls down there. I dove a shipwreck down there. Uh, Absolutely love it. And that point of being at the top of your game, scuba diving for me, Paul, has been the only time in my life that I can truly escape the day to day because you have to be completely present when you're under the water and you have to be focused on your breathing and you have to be focused on that and just present. But I, I can't get that when I'm on the surface. I, my mind's always thinking about something else. I've tried the meditation and yoga and all that, but I just can't do it. But scuba diving for me is, has been that. So I love it. And, and you're going to enjoy Punta Cana, some awesome oh, diving there. Well, thank you. That's, I'm getting excited now. Thank you. For sure. Well, uh, Paul, in this show, we talk about the attitude, action, and ability that's led to your success. So I want to hear about your sales process today. I'll boil it down to three things to be successful in selling today is what I preach. And it's three things are 
call on the right people. Okay, that's number one. When you get to in front of the right people, engage the right people, <laughs> that's key. Number two, ask the right questions. And sometimes it's the tough questions, the engaging questions, questions focused on the customer, not yourself. And number three is qualify the right opportunities. Is there really a good fit? And if there is, continue further. If there's not, you got to learn to let go and move on to another opportunity. Those three things, right? That's what um, is key to be successful in selling. Now, I know you haven't always been the person you are today. So take me way back, Paul. And how did you actually get into sales? Well, I started out with the um, Bell Telephone Yellow Pages directory. Uh, I got out of college after a stint with public sector uh, for six months, and I realized real quickly, you know, with dad being successful in sales for 35 years, I thought, you know, I need to get into it. And it was one of those companies that literally spent six weeks of, of intense training and development. And uh, at the time, they said, ah, you know what, you know, you'll, you'll probably make about 25K the first year. I was blown away because my first year back in the late 80s, I hit 50K and I, I got excited because I was off to an incredible start. So that's how I originally you know, got started in sales. And I was wonderful because I got exposed to every type of organization from a mom and pop pizza parlor to a Fortune 500 company. So it was great learning ground, and I, which I did for the first five years of my career. If you think about some of those early moments of, of learning, right? You just said that you know, early in your career, what were maybe some of the initial struggles that you had to overcome as you were getting started in your career? And I was one of those um, kids through, you know, early adulthood, I, I struggled with ADD and ADHD and uh, nobody ever diagnosed me at the time. And uh, my mind was always racing. And obviously when the customer's talking, I'm always thinking ahead of what I'm going to say or what I'm going to tell or I'm, how I'm going to close. So I wasn't connecting with the customer. And I remember a boss just pulling me aside and ripping me apart saying, you're not a good listener. And I knew I wasn't. So I said, okay, boss, I agree. So help me out. How do I be a better listener? He was stumped. He didn't know. He's just, I don't know. Figure it out. And the reason is there is, there is no you know, real good way of listening. As a matter of fact, Manager, you know, nobody hires say, okay, in the interview to say, okay, I'm gonna, I want to see how good of a listener you are. No, they give you a pen or a product and say, hey, sell me. And people, salespeople are hired on the gift of gab, not on the gift of listening. So listening is part of listening to the keywords, clues, which I practice. So when customers are talking, they, they're going to give me a word or two, and I'm going to latch onto it. So I get into the rhythm, the flow, and I'm on their level. One of the things, you know, you, when you and I have talked in the past, you talked about, you don't have to, to think about what the next question should be, right? Which was a challenge you had early on. You don't have to think about it because the customer will actually give it to you if you listen. So give me some insight into that. How are you doing that? How do you train through that? The clues is if, if there's a, listen to the verbs. So the customer might say, for example, um, we're trying uh, or we're thinking about or we're considering, or we're evaluating, or we're looking. You see, it's those words. Look at what am I going to lock on to? Oh, wait a minute. You mentioned the word looking. Can you help me understand what you've you know, considered so far, what you've evaluated, what's still your, on your, your what criteria would be important to you? See what I mean? Or somebody might say, we're trying. Ah, I'm going to lock onto the word trying because what it means, there's emotions behind it. By definitions, it means they're struggling, they're having difficulty. Can you tell me what's worked, what's not? And why is that? So I want sooner I can get to the pain points. Now, there's another thing, too, that in those, just those two words. You heard me say the other word, kept saying we, we, we. 
Oh, you mentioned the word we, Jim. Who else is involved in the in Yeah, the who's we? See what I mean? So we really practice. These concepts are called lock-ons. So, and, and again, I can't, I, I don't want to interrogate somebody, but listen for the clues. And customers can be very repetitive on things. Pick up on what they're saying. So I never have to, I'm, the stress is all gone now because you'll give me the question to ask. And I'll get you talking. It, like you said, yeah, if, if we're listening for it, if we're listening for those cues, if we're listening for that, you've also talked about this notion, Paul, of you know the customer motivation. So what you're telling me about right now sounds like it's the corporate or the company's motivations. How do you balance the, the company's needs versus the customer's drivers? You know what? It always comes down to the individual, not the company. This, this stuff that we hear about, okay, the committee, the board, you know, um, no, 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 no. It comes down to usually one person, okay? Yeah, there's people involved, but it's usually the one key influencer that is either going to champion and drive it or be the naysayer. So we need to get down to individual motivations. All of your listeners could probably relate to the purchasing agent who, who just beats the uh, salesperson on price, okay? But if you get to the, start digging away on, on, on the why a purchasing agent is beating you up on price, it's because... In most situations, it's think about how they're measured, recognized, rewarded for performance. Yeah, that's what they're incentivized on. Yeah, and so I need to understand: is that this actually happened? You know, we're having a conversation. So, you know, tell us a little bit about going, what's going on. Tell me about why you know what's driving this decision and and, and what's on on your radar. What had came up was that stressed out. Oh, um, one of the cohorts was his cohorts was laid off. All the work was dumped on him. He's working night and some weekends. So we asked him, well, wait a minute, help me out. How's this impacting you? He says, well, nights and weekends. And you know what? I can't come home. I got a three, five, seven-year-old. And as a result, um, I don't even get to put him away to bed. I volunteered to be a coach, soccer coach for my seven-year-old. I can't do this anymore. So last question was, so things don't change. What concerns do you have moving forward? Concerns, I'm probably going to be without a job, which means I'm going to put my family, have to move somewhere elsewhere. See what I mean? We got to the key personal motivations, which allowed us to put together a customized solution to take, you know, 15, 20 hours off, off this person's plate um, with a vendor management inventory process. And he was elated and it was a high price solution. Reality is price wasn't the factor because we got to the motivations. Get to the motivations. That's what your listeners have to do. Now, Paul, I hear a lot of the reps, some of the ones that I work with, they tell me, like, I can't get that deep into the conversation. I have no idea how they won't open up. They won't tell me that kind of stuff. I've asked the questions. What do you have to say about that? How can we really pull out those motivations from a buyer? Well, yeah, you know, that's I mean, it's like the silly questions that sometimes comes out of our mouths. So let me ask you, what keeps you up at night? OK, I, I, you, you, you can't expect, you know. Relationship selling is about, in some ways, peeling away. Okay, ideally, and and but I got it. Building the trust and credibility. But here's the bottom line: in my studies of over 1,200 organizations in which we've done this training, 87% of the questions that we ask are, are fall into the present, Jim. And, and I don't want to. I don't want to say these are bad questions. They're important questions. But it's sort of how's it going? What are you doing? Who use it now? What's your budget? Who else is involved in the decision? What are your needs? What are your wants? What are your problems? And sometimes we'll then dabble into, you know, what are your goals? Okay. Or do you have any upcoming projects? So 87% in the present, I gave you examples. One or two go into future goals. Rarely, if ever, do we go into the past, you know? And sometimes a simple question is to so tell me how, how long you've been with this organization. Tell me how you got started. 
Uh, what have been some of the challenges, hurdles you faced in the past? You know, and as you look at those things, what are you looking to accomplish moving forward? Pretty basic stuff, but here why I say this is because part of that relationship building is that I need to get to know you. And if you want to sell into the future, go into the past. But salespeople start hammering customers with all these, you know, uh, who, what, where, when, and why questions that every salesperson is asking that we start to put people, people either to sleep or interrogate or bore them. So we got to ask better questions. And if you do, people... Paul, I want to dive a little bit deeper into that. The, the notion of questions you said, 87% of them are, are rooted in the, in the present. Not enough of them are rooted in the past. But if you want to sell into the future, you have to talk about the past. So here's my question. I sell or I work with a lot of companies who sell technology, uh, you know, uh, SaaS-based solutions, that kind of stuff. They're not replacing anything that's already uh, inside of an organization. You know, they are trying to bring somebody into a whole new level of thinking. How do we balance that notion of past and future in those situations? We need to understand is, are your customers experiencing any change? And the question or answer is always yes. So we want to engage customers on changes. So a lot of times where I'm going with that is it might be something, Jim, you know, let me ask you, you know, as you reflect on the past year, what changes have you experienced? And it could be on the job. It could be with your market. It could be with your projects. You know, how's that different from today versus what you see moving forward? See those kind of questions? Very simple, where I get somebody to reflect either it could be six months ago, could be three years ago. You choose the time frame. But what I want to do is when I get people to start reflecting on changes and the challenges and so forth, the fact is I don't want people to be in a complacent mode because salespeople will ask, hey, you got anything going on? Anything happening? Anything I can do for you? Anything I can help you? Nope, everything's good. That's right. And it's, you see, you shut people down because it's like, no, I'm happy. I'm content because you're not engaging people on, the, on what the issues are. So it's like asking, hey. Who are you using now? What do you like about them? What don't you like about them? Can I? Can you give me a shot to do a quote for you? <laughs> no, no, we're we're okay. See what I mean? What about those reps that I guess that are reaching out with like completely future-based technology, saying, "Hey, have you ever thought about doing X?" Uh, that is completely brand new. Maybe they've never even heard about it, and they're getting shut down because the people can't even just see themselves doing something like that. Maybe it's too far afield from what they're they're used to. What are, what are your thoughts there? You know, the new technology that comes out, people, what happens is people go, ooh, ah, this is so cool. I love it. Ah. And then what happens? Oh, but, 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 but. Um, yeah, then they don't buy. Exactly. And so what happens is people who have this sizzle product that really is innovative and great, that's how these prospects respond. It's like, okay, we don't have the money in the budget. Call me next year or whatever. And then things don't happen. So that the example did, they were focusing, for example, on the architectural market. And the reason being is that the architects were doing these two two dimensional, basically flat, you know, presentations, drawings, and it was like, okay, at the time the 3D tech printers, I think, were running about thirty thousand dollars, and it's like they, an architect, could really be unique and differentiate themselves to present this 3D model to their clients, to look at it and get the feel and the flavor, and it's like. You know, what happened was uh, our, our architects would say, oh, no, it's too expensive, whatever, because they were focusing on selling the product. Don't sell the product, sell the solution. And what I mean by that is, you know, what's a typical uh, commercial client worth to you? And it turns out anywhere from, you know, 100000 to a million dollars plus. All right. So focus on, on what are some potential missed opportunities if you don't have this kind of thing. So I want to get people from getting away from selling the product but understanding the needs of the client. 
Well, you also started to hit on this this notion of relationship selling, and you know it's it it feels kind of like that's a buzzword uh, today. So tell me tell me what it is, and maybe more importantly, tell me what it's not. And I cringe at that when I when I say that because it's so overused. It's milked, and it's almost like I want you to like me, and you know I want to prove my credibility and my not show you my knowledge and understanding, experience, and want you to trust me. And I'm like, I, I gag because, you know, come on, uh, that's, that's a given. But relationship selling though is really about how do I get to know you? And then of course people get tripped and think, okay, well, I need to understand your hobbies, your, your interests, your activities. Yeah, but no, 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 no. I need to understand you really at a business level. Okay. That's what I mean by the relationship selling. So, you know, understanding your frustrations, your challenges on the job, the opportunities. In other words, there's four things that I look for and of a motivation, Jim. Number one, maybe it's, you know, are you looking to minimize a risk? Okay. Is there fear, anxiety that's, that's getting in the way? Number two, is there a competitive edge? In other words, is there something how you're trying to look good in the eyes of others, boss, peers, cohorts internally? Number three, it might be progress. The fact is that they start engaging you. I find out you're a little bored of your job. You know, you're not challenged and you're looking for really fresh opportunities to progress and move forward in your career. Or not, last one is simplify. Are you stressed out, too much to do, and not enough time? And I listen to you engage, and I find out, ah. So I'm listening to that because if I understand your motive, all I want to do is I want to sell to that particular motivation. See, that's, that's, what, that, that's what relationship selling is. If I understand what makes you tick, I'm going to position. I'm not going to do a feature benefit dump because that pushes people away. This seems so simple, right? But yet uh, there's, there's thousands of people just like you and me out there who are sales coaches and sales trainers who are out there trying to preach the good word. Uh, there are so many books on this. You just released a, a great one, The Ultimate Sales Pro. So if it sounds as simple as what you're making right now, why are so many people struggling with it? And, and why do so many companies adopt this you know, sink or swim attitude when it comes to their salespeople? It is a struggle. And it's a struggle for me too, okay? Because we all, look, the, the fact is, you know, in, in a fast-paced world, you know, we all want to be efficient. We want to impress people. Somebody says, I need a quote on me to price on this. Can you get this to me? And I want to rush this off to demonstrate that, you know what, I'm responsive and that I'm going to do what you ask. And the paradigm is one needs to slow down the sales process in a fast world. And what I mean, and I had a company who was doing that very fast and efficient, sending quotes out. And I'm like, okay, are you picking up the phone to at least talk to the customer? No, 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 no. We're just responding to quotes. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is a $50,000 investment and you're not talking to, and, and the closure rate was really low. So we just said, okay, just have a conversation, pick up the phone say, look, you know, we have a lot of different products in terms of the, want to make sure what I quote you on is exactly what you need. Can we just talk for 10, 15 minutes? And guess what? They were talking to these, you know, laboratory researchers and saying, wait, tell me a little bit more about this project. What's going on? What's prompting your interest? And what are you hoping to accomplish? And what was supposed to be a 10, 15 minute conversation? These people are getting animated, excited, you know, they're talking for 30, 45 minutes. And you know what? Their closure rate went up literally from 20% to 63%. So that's what I mean about the paradigm. Slow down that sales process. Understand. Don't be so quick to press that email button, get the quote out there. Well, so if there's a listener out there who's just casually, you know, listening to this podcast, maybe it's in the background, they're hearing you say, slow down the sales cycle when, when all they want to do is speed up the sales cycle, ring the, ring the bell, get the commission check. So explain that a little bit more what you mean by that. Cause everybody does want to shorten their sales cycle. 
by being so efficient, and I send that quote out to you, okay? And then what happens is, um, then I call you up, Jim. Jim, hey, Jim, how you doing? First of all, I'm getting, I'm getting blocked by your voicemail, or you're pushing me off, or you're busy or whatever. You're blowing me off. And the fact is, is that you have the information you need that now I'm facing stalls, objections, shopping around, put-offs. See? So I've lengthened the sales process by trying to speed it up. So what I want to do is by qualifying it in that 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it is, I've qualified the needs, what motivates you, what you're trying to accomplish. I'm, I'm presenting exactly what you want. I've qualified. you got the budget. You're the right person. And your timing for a decision. All that conversation that when I send that quote over, it's not a quote anymore. Guess what it is? It's just, oh, this is just to verify what we. That's right. It's a contract. Yeah, that's right. There you go. You see the difference? You know, I'm sitting here laughing myself. I knew, you know, when we were going to have this conversation, just with everything that I've read about you from the, your books to your blog and, and and your videos, I knew we were going to be on the same page with a lot of this stuff. But uh, this this notion, and I don't, well, I guess I do know what it is. So millennials, which is the next generation of salespeople that are coming into the, in the environment right now, they didn't grow up using the phone as a speaking device. They grew up with it as a texting device, right? Or, or an entertainment device, even more so. And so it, it baffles me when I will do coaching with a rep and they'll start telling me everything that they've done. And I said, okay, but did you call them? Like, no, well, no, I sent them an email. I said, right, right but did you, did you call them? Well, no, I, I sent them a text. Right, but the question was, did you call them? Well, no. I was like, well, what if you called them? And like, well, what if they, they won't pick up the phone? But a lot of times when they actually finally pick up the phone and, and talk to their customer, all of a sudden the deal gets unstuck. All of a sudden, it starts moving down the process. All of a sudden, they found out there was another person involved that, that they didn't know from the beginning, or there's another. And so it's just, it baffles you like, pick up the phone and call your buyers. I think I've read a statistic recently that said uh, the sales development rep or SDR is one of the fastest growing uh, positions in all of business, not just in sales, but in all of business. And so my question for you is, how does one differentiate themselves today when it seems like with all this growth in sales that people are starting to become commoditized? The, the products themselves are starting to be commoditized. How does one actually differentiate themselves? As I assess these questions that people ask, everyone's asking the same questions. And I'll give you an example. I was um, uh, looking to hire an SEO firm. I found five top-notch firms, okay? I was impressed, okay, with what I read. Even, you know, all the salespeople, they all did, you know, you know, they were good at what they did in terms of being able to demonstrate, you know, their experience and what they can do and that to get right into how they could solve my problems. But not one took the time to say, tell me about your business. OK, tell me about your challenges or frustrations. Tell me, you know, from your business standpoint, as a business, where do you see yourself three years from now? Just get to know me so that, you know. No one did that. So, and that's what builds the trust and credibility and understanding. I look for that in salespeople. But we're so, see that again, we're wired for efficiency that, ah, you, did you say you got a problem? You have any, oh, I can solve it. Let me tell you what I can do for that. Think about if you went to go see a doctor and he looks at you and literally in 10 seconds, I know exactly what you need. You got a knee, you got your knee hurts. <laughs> Don't worry. I got a bunch of, you know, striker implants right here on the shelves. Hey, let's get you uh, on the table. You'd run. And I keep, I'm being kind of dra you know, radical here, but let's, that's what I mean. Like you were so quick to get to the solution to show off and be a hero to the customer. No.
Yet we continue to hear, just ask better questions, just ask the right question. So how does, how does a new rep, not even a new rep, how does any rep, they could be a veteran rep, how do they learn to actually ask better questions? It's not like they're just written down on a piece of paper and handed to us. And even if they were, how we ask them, I know, plays a lot into that. So how do we come up with the, the good or better questions, Paul? Here's an example to ask good questions, to show your intelligence and credibility. And, and I don't see people do that because people are always approaching me wanting to sell something. And it's usually, you know, I read the email, okay, or their introduction, and there was no thought or preparation. See, Jim, planning is so easy today than ever before. And, and I've been on some databases like Zoom and discovery.org where you can just, you know, it only takes you a few minutes to check out the person's background or whatever. But I want to reference something, okay? And it's easy to reference something and say, hey, I found this out. I came this across. You know, I'm talking to other clients that are facing this. I'm curious, you know, what your experience has been. See, so I, I want to introduce people to show that I bring understanding, experience to the table because I know your marketplace. I know some of the challenges. Can you tell me what other clients are saying? How's that compare with what you're seeing, Jim? See what I mean? People don't do that, though. They don't do that. He goes, hey, Jim, how you doing? My name's Paul Cherry. I'm a PPR. I sell sales training. Hey, do you need any sales training? What are you going to say? Nope. Click. <laughs> nope. We're all good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> See? One of the things that I know, uh, you know, that you're passionate about just with, with rep development is to go beyond, you know, how to sell, but actually get to the why you are selling, you know, in order to, to truly achieve greatness. Tell me more about that, Paul. Like, what, what, what's the driver behind that for you? It gets to the heart of the matter. So, for example, with Jim, when you ask a salesperson, and here's for anybody who's in managing or managing a customer relationship to understand their needs. So when I ask, you know, so, Jim, you know, in your role, can you tell me, you know, what's important to you? Or how do you define success as a salesperson? And then you'll probably say something like, well, I'm making money. You know what I mean? Say, oh, good. I'm glad to hear that, making money. Now, if I'm a salesman, I'd be like, oh, I knew it. Eh, you want to make more money? Go out and sell some more. You know, no, no, no. I want to continue that and say, well, tell me, sure. Obviously, making money is important. Can you tell me why that's important to you? Well, making money is because, you know, I feel like, you know, I can do more for my family and provide a good livelihood. And now I'm starting to get to something. Yeah, providing a good livelihood is important. So tell me, tell me more about that. Well, you know, I got a 10-year-old. I got a 12-year-old. College is eight years ahead. I, the reason I got to be making a lot more money is because I'm looking at tuition, you know, 40, 50K a year. We really, and I want to make sure that, you know, my kids have the kind of success I've had. See, now I'm starting to get to the real issues. All right. So that's why I want to ask, well, I'm always asking the why. And usually it takes me three, four, maybe five whys to get to the heart of what people care about, what they're passionate about. And you know what, for your, for your listeners, they can ask themselves that. Why am I doing this? What's important to me? And why is that? Sit back and reflect. All right. It'd be amazing. You could do it with your spouse, your loved ones, with your kids. So we're not limited to selling, but I, I'm, I'm very, it's very important to me to understand what motivates people. I love that, Paul. And that's a, yeah, I, I love that. And that's exactly what I was going to say is that what I, what I truly like about it is that is something you can ask yourself. You don't need someone else to ask you that. Like you just need to sit and reflect and understand why you are where you are and what you're ultimately trying to achieve. Because I tell you, we've all made a lot of money or, you know, a lot of us have, and you spend it just as quick as you get it. And the, the, the just making money part, it fades away quickly. There's got to be something bigger on the other side. And, and just so, and so we don't lose that thought, um, that's why when somebody is hammering you on price, you can, it's again, you can, it's, it's, you can ask, you know, 
Ask the why. Well, tell me, I, obviously that's important. You know, can we put a price aside and let's talk about what else is important to you and why? And why is that? And why is that? And what you're finding out is the why, you know, somebody's hammering on prices because they're looking for reasons to justify their existence in their jobs. They could be that hero and say, hey, I've saved, you know, overall, with all these vendors, suppliers, over the course of a year, I've saved more than $1.2 million for this company. They want to be a hero. They want recognition. See? So peel away and understand why they do that. And then there's not, we're not fighting a battle. I can look for some commonality, you know, so that price doesn't become the major obstacle. But at least I can minimize that and look for other opportunities where I can create value. One of the things I'm always harping on with the reps that I work with is you have to constantly be looking around and understanding who is incentivized by status quo. And until you can answer that question, you haven't, it doesn't mean you can't sell without getting there, but if you can't figure out who is incentivized by status quo, you're missing a huge opportunity to truly penetrate an organization. That's interesting. Yeah. How about that? Good. So who's in the yeah, by status quo and who's incentivized by change, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Paul, I know you and I could talk uh, to each other all day. <laughs> I've got to take a quick break so that I can say thank you to my sponsors. But when we come back, it's going to be time for the money round. So you don't go away. And sales tuners, you don't go away there. We'll be right back. Costello is pioneering the way companies build and execute sales playbooks. The platform helps sales reps prepare for calls, ask timely questions, tell relevant stories, and sync insights back to their CRM, all while showing managers and reps the gaps in every single deal so they can work them together to move them forward. With Costello, sales leaders can identify what's working on the front line and replicate success across their entire team. Learn more and see a demo at andcostello.com. That's A-N-D-C-O-S-T-E-L-L-O.com. We're back and it's time for the money round. Paul, are you ready for the money round? I sure am, Ben. Sure. Thanks, Jim. What's the one thing that has contributed most to your transformation from normal to exceptional? And I'd have to say learning to develop my confidence, okay? And that means stop the paralysis, analyzing and wondering or the fear and say, you know what? Jump in and do it. And that is either pick up the phone or, you know what? Ask for the order. Take the risk, get out of the comfort zone and make it happen. That's, that, that's been key. If you were to start over today in sales, what would you tell yourself to spend the next 30 days doing? It would be the ability to listen, to listen, and actually even just record yourself in a conversation, either face-to-face -face or live. You think you're doing a great job, and, and the one litmus test is, who did most of the talking? If you did most of the talking, it wasn't a good call. If it was the customer who did most of the talking, great call. You want to continue down that path. Two-part question for you here. Which phrase describes you best and why? I love to win or I hate to lose? Oh, I hate to lose because that's what motivates me. It's the fear. I have failed. I have lost. I have struggled. I continue to. That's what motivates me. To, the fear of not repeating the mistakes that I've made is what's the catalyst to motivate me to keep moving forward. What's a book that you've read multiple times or always find yourself recommending to others? Spin Selling was, was a book that I read and I reread. I chewed it apart. It's by Neil Rackham. It's one of those classic books um, that has really inspired me to the art of asking great questions. 
Sales Tuners, if you'd like to check out Paul's suggestion of spin selling for free, head on over to salestuners.com slash book. There you can sign up for a free 30-day trial of Audible and browse their over 150,000 titles. Again, that's salestuners.com slash book for spin selling. As Paul said, it's one of the classics I highly recommend. Uh, you take a listen if you haven't already. Paul, what is currently at the top of your bucket list? Uh, I'm 57 and um, I'm still very active in what I'm doing and one of my on my bucket list is I want to bike across the United States, but it's going to take me a month and a half to do that. So <laughs> it's going to be finding that carving out that 45 days to 60 days to do that and still juggle business. Paul, what's the biggest piece of advice you have for all the sales tuners out there grinding today? Don't complicate the sales process. Okay. Here's, you know, the tools, the techniques, you know, the tricks, the, uh, all the things that you read and hear about. Be genuine with yourself. Be genuine with the customer, okay? And 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 again, because of what I'm passionate about, questioning. You know, sometimes people get into the mechanics of the question. You know, don't worry about the mechanics as long as you're inquisitive and you're hungry to learn and understand the customer. That's the driver for the relationship. And so, go with the flow. That's my recommendation. As a salesperson, you are the product, and everything you do should be aimed at increasing your own value. That was great stuff from Paul. Let's get to my top takeaways. Number one, lock in on the verbs. If you've ever been anxious on a sales call, thinking too far ahead or worrying about what your next question is going to be, stop. Your prospect will lay out the entire roadmap if you let them. As you listen to them, focus on the verbs they use. For instance, we're trying, we're evaluating, or we're thinking about. When they use these verbs, seek clarity as to what they mean. Mrs. Prospect, you mentioned you were thinking about X. What did you mean by that? What exactly have you tried? What are you still planning to try? How has it gone so far? What were you hoping would happen? If you pick up on the repetition of their patterns, you can remove all the stress from your call. Number two, understand the incentives. What's driving your prospect's decision? And with that question, I don't just mean the person you're talking to. I mean every person that you've come in contact with the account. Each person has their own set of incentives and an opportunity to either do a deal or not do a deal. It's your job to get past the surface level responses, figure out who's incentivized by what, and what the real impact of that decision is for them. I promise you, price is never the real factor if you get their motivations. Number three, slow down. It seems counterintuitive, I know. In the age of efficiency, we're all looking for ways to cut time out of our sales cycle. However, slowing your process down may actually have the effect you're looking for. Instead of immediately going in for the kill at the first sign of a problem you can solve, dig deeper. Has your prospect been looking at competitive solutions and just wants to see a demo? Ask them what was good about what they've already seen and ask them what they wish they had seen but didn't. Do they want you to send them a proposal? Ask them what things would prevent them from signing it. I work hard to prevent buyer complacency by transitioning their request with a question to build more context. That's it. Those are my takeaways, but I'd love to hear yours. Please tweet at me at SalesTuners or shoot me an email, jim at SalesTuners.com. I reply to every message that I get. All right. I hope to see you next week. Until then, I'm Jim Brown. Let's make it rain. Thank you for listening to Sales Tuners. Stay up to date at www.salestuners.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. And they stay there.